How are you doing this morning? Every once in a while it is good to have a service with a little bit more ceremony and a little bit more structure and, and so on and so forth, a little bit more seriousness, these type of things. And what a wonderful service it is to hang the greens and to sing some meaningful Christmas songs that uh, have to do with uh, announcing the birth of our Savior and Him coming. And uh, what a wonderful thing it is. And how symbolic so many of these things are as we uh, hang the different ornaments on the, on the tree and, and so on and so forth. So, um, wonderful, wonderful. It's so good to see you this morning. I'm glad to be here. Are you glad to be here? Yeah, 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 yeah. okay. Um, this morning we are going to talk a little bit about um, the encounter with Nicodemus and Jesus. And, um, and there's some things that we need to know about that because typically over the years when you hear a message about that encounter, it is always about um, that you must be born again. And that the question that Nicodemus asks, how can a man be born again when he is old, is hardly ever answered. Um, we concentrate on the first part of it. But the second part of when he is old is, has remained a mystery. Then I heard a teaching by Arnold Fruchtenbaum, Dr. Arnold Fruchtenbaum, who has been at our church several times, and whom I've known for many, 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 many years. Um, uh, and, and that was the only explanation that made sense to me. And so I want to share part of that with you this morning. Um, so we'll be looking in John 2.23 through John 3.10, and then we'll look also at John 3.16 as well. So um, let's, let's, let's read through the scriptures there and then um, get started. See, with my 70-year-old eyes, it sometimes gets difficult. Um, now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover... In the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. So it's an important um, aspect of of the scripture that John is pointing out that one, many believed, not all believed, many believed when they saw the miracles that he did. And, um, but Jesus did not commit himself unto them because... He knew all men, and needed not that any should testify of men, for he knew what was in men. And so this morning, it is not uh, that we're going to do an uh, exposition of the Scripture so much as that I want to make some points to you concerning uh, the second birth and, and those type of things. Chapter 3. There was a man named a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. So it's important that you realize that and remember that he was a Pharisee, okay, for the rest of the, of the account. Uh, named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. That is also important to realize that he was a ruler of the Jews, which means he was a member of the Sanhedrin, which means that he was married. Okay, so it, this once again is important for the rest of the story. Um, he came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, 
we know that thou art a teacher come from God. This is clear to see because of the miracles that you're doing, that you are a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. So at this point, Nicodemus has established that Jesus has come from God and that God is with him. Yes? So ultimately what Jesus wanted to establish was his messiahship, uh, where Nicodemus is trying to inquire of Jesus, hey, what are you all about? And, um, and then Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Here we have the idea of seeing the kingdom of God. Um, and we'll get to that. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit. So, in this scenario, Jesus is starting to explain to him about the second birth. It is not, he's not just saying you have to be born again. He's explaining about what that means, knowing what Nicodemus was thinking. I say unto thee, except a man be born again of water and of the Spirit, he, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it willeth, and thou hearest the sound of it, but canst know none at all where it cometh and where it is goeth. Where it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou the teacher? Some translations, some of the older uh, King James Virtues say, Art thou the master of Israel uh, and knowest not these things? And then verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So let us, let's, let's look at that a little bit and, and see where it's taking us. So you see right off the bat, when, when you're looking at verse 223, you see that uh, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. So, it is important to realize that no matter what miracles are done, that not everybody necessarily believes. Some people simply don't believe. Even though Jesus is preaching and teaching, not everybody believes. So, um, to go by the number of people that believe for somebody to have success or not is not the right criterion. The criterion is that he is doing the will of God. Uh, in Noah's days, in 120 years, eight people got saved. By any standard of any comparison, this is like, wow, that, that, that's pretty poor. Okay? 
So you, you can't go there. You do what God is asking you to do, and you go, and that is success. Success is doing the will of God. The results are totally in God's hands. Yes? So, so often we confuse these things and then overlap these things. And then we, we're saying to people that, hey, your, your ministry is so-so because not very many people get saved. But God knows what's going on. And you don't know the ripple effect of this man's preaching or this man's teaching when, uh, when at the end of the service or the, at the end of the preaching or the end of the week or whenever it is. You don't know what all is taking place in the hearts of the people that were there, but there was no obvious decision made at that moment. So here we have a man named Nicodemus who is impressed by the miracles and is looking for an audience with Jesus to ask some questions to further explore who this man is. So, like I said, Nicodemus, he was a Pharisee. That means that he was a rabbi. He was ordained to be a rabbi. This is important for the rest of the story. He was a ruler of the Jews, which means he was a member of the Sanhedrin. As a member of the Sanhedrin, you had to be married to become a member. Otherwise, you couldn't be a member. And then, uh, uh, thirdly, he was the teacher of Israel, which means he was the head of a rabbinical school. These are all important items if people have done their research to find out because then it clarifies a little bit Nicodemus's question. We'll get there in just a little bit. Um, so, verse, verse 2 I just read to you, where Nicodemus has come to the place where he says that uh, Jesus is a man come from God and that God is with him. And then uh, Jesus answers, Very, very, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus' way of answering has always intrigued me because it seemed that when Jesus answered uh, or asked questions, it started some sort of a conversation. Many times when we engage with people and we ask a question or we make a, com a comment, it stops the conversation. We've just turned them off. We haven't done well in engaging people and saying, I want to take a person to a certain place in my conversation. Do you have conversations like that? I have conversations like that all the time. I want the people, I want to take the people to the kingdom of God. I want to steer the conversation to where we can talk about God and the kingdom. But you can't always do that because your audience may want to go in a different direction. Is that possible? Happens all the time. You're talking with somebody and you're trying to steer the conversation a certain way, but they're not interested at this point. They, 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 they want to go in another way. Is it okay for you to go with them in that direction where they want to go? Not only is it okay, you must. Because why would they be interested in what you have to say if you're not interested in what they have to say? So if you show interest in what they have to say, it opens the, the avenue for you then to go where you want to go with the conversation. 
You've listened to them. You've been concerned about them. They may, ha- they may want to share a situation in their life with you. And if you try to force it, the conversation the other direction, you miss what they share with you, the opportunity for ministry. Because it is not the first time in conversation that I would talk with somebody and in just a short while, if I just listen, they bear themselves, their souls completely bare. I'm serious. I have no idea what it is. Some people that I have never met before. I have met them, but I've not, not spoken with them. I've met them and say, hey, uh, hey, let's have lunch sometime. Okay, we have lunch. And we talk, and we have a conversation. And broom, the whole waterfall comes out of his concerns, his marital problems, and the, the problems with the, with the, with the, with the children, and, and so on and so forth. Do you have, you know, people that have marital problems? Oh, they're all in here. Oh, I mean, if, if, if there's very few people that, that, that <laughs> in heaven you won't have any problems. But here on earth, there'll be some problems. You don't have to have huge problems. There's issues that need to be resolved. And so when he bears his soul to me, then now, I, since I listened to where he took me, then I can take him to where I want to take him because I'm going to give him the solution to his problems, which is Jesus Christ. So I'm just saying... That Jesus, he takes Nicodemus to a place, hey, let me tell you something. Unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So, that raises a question in Nicodemus' mind. Born again. Actually, I I was going to give my sermon a different title. I was going to call it, I've got to say the title, I was going to give, title it like um, Born Once Die Twice. Born Twice Die Once. Anyways. So when Jesus says you must be born again, this speaks of a second birth. You must be born twice. Your physical birth and then another birth. And Nicodemus is trying to figure this out and he says, how can a man be born again when he is old? Because in his mind, and the teachings that he had received were, uh, were the convictions that there were six ways of people to be born again. When somebody, when a Gentile was converted into Judaism, they spoke of him being born again. Just like when some an unbeliever is converted to the Christianity, we say he's born again. So, you know, there's all kinds of events that people call like a born-again experience. Yes? Have you heard it? Somebody said, somebody has like, they came into a good job and making a lot more money than they used to make before. And they say, man, it was like a born-again experience. Uh, they move to another town, and they like it a lot over there, and they experience some nice things. It's like, wow, it's like I was born again. There's different uh, connotations in the idea of born again, and so it was also with Nicodemus. In those days, and what they believed was that when uh, a Gentile was converted to, to uh, Judaism, it was a born again experience. But Nicodemus didn't qualify for that. So 
He has a question. Born again. Well, that one doesn't work for me because I'm already a Jew. The second thing that was, that he didn't qualify for, was that when somebody was crowned king, then that was a born-again experience in that belief system. And, but he it doesn't say anywhere that he was from the lineage of David, so he did not qualify for that kingship. So that didn't apply to him that he could be born again in that way when Jesus says, you must be born again. Then the other uh, idea of, uh, of the born-again experience is when a 13-year-old Jew, he goes through his bar mitzvah, when he comes under the Mosaic law and then becomes responsible for his own sins, uh, bar mitzvah, then it is said that he is born again. Well, he was a Jew, and he is now uh, around 70 years old, so sort of like my age. Uh, and so he's already gone to the bar mitzvah, so that doesn't apply to him. Fourthly, the uh, 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 born-again experience was when a Jew got married. They called it a born-again experience. But he was married because he was a, mem- a member of the Sanhedrin, so he was already married, so he, that didn't apply to him. Born again, born again. What does he mean? He's, he's going through this, these thoughts. When somebody was ordained a rabbi, it was said that he was born again. And so since he was a Pharisee, he was a rabbi, so he was already there. He had already experienced that. So the born again idea that he was familiar with so far didn't work for him. Are you following me? And then lastly, he was the ruler of Israel, which means he was the head of a rabbinical school that was also considered a born-again experience, and he was the head. In the, the, uh, one of the King James translations says that he was the master. And in some of the translations, it talks about that he was a teacher of Israel, but that's not the right translation. He was the teacher of Israel. So, he was the head of rabbinical uh, school, so that experience he had already gone through, so to be born again in that way, then didn't apply to him. So, these are the thoughts that are going through his mind, so now he's, he's wondering, well, how can I be born again? Do I have to go through my, back into my mother's womb to be born again? Uh, 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 how does that work? Well, Jesus was waiting for that question. <laughs> like I'm waiting for a question when I engage somebody in a conversation and want to steer it Jesus' way and, and he wants to steer it another way and I'm waiting for that opportunity. I'm waiting for a, a question or I'm waiting for a situation that I might be help of so that I can go take it to the kingdom direction where I want to go with them. Because it is not because I have, I'm such an important guy. It is that I have such important things to say concerning the kingdom of God. And that if you would just listen and come along and believe, then God would help solve his problems for him. I, I don't want to say that casually, so I, let me just... Just, just give you a little bit more information over there. That is to say that God, when he solves your problems, 
it is not always that he changes the circumstances. Right? It is that sometimes he just simply gives you grace for that circumstance. Amen? So, and sometimes he changes your circumstances. Okay, you are in need of some money, poof, and he supplies some money. Um, that, that, that has happened in my life a ton of times. <laughs> it must have happened because at one point I didn't even have one dollar. So, and then he supplies. And I'm preaching to people, hey, get out of debt. Because we're out of debt. And it's a beautiful thing. I'm not bragging about being out of debt. Because I could never in 15 lifetimes have done it on my own. It was strictly God who provided. But he did. And yeah, brother John gives us a gives us a wave over there. Give us another wave, brother John, would you? So people then there we go. <laughs> I love your brother John's waves. I love his encouragement. Almost every Sunday, he says, "There was some good beef in that stew, brother Kenny." <laughs> yeah, he always encouraging me. <laughs> Uh, yes. So now, here comes the question then that Jesus was sort of anticipating and thinking because he knew where Nicodemus was coming from. Uh, and to the question then, how can a man be born again when he is old? That doesn't apply to me. Is it then possible for me to go back in my mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus says to him, what does Jesus say to him? A man must be born of water and of the Spirit. See, it was a Pharisaic idea that to be born as a Jew was sufficient to fulfill the requirements for entering the kingdom of God, just to be born a Jew. And, of course, that was false. That was only one birth. To be born an American, that's only one birth. Uh, I'm familiar with this thought because when I was trying to share the gospel with my middle brother, Robbie is his name, uh, about becoming a Christian, he said, well, am I not a Christian? I say, well, how so? How would you be a Christian? Well, he understood that if you belong to the Western civilization, which is often called the Christian world, then you were a Christian. That was his understanding. So Nicodemus' understanding was that if I was born a Jew, I had automatic entrance into the kingdom, into the kingdom of God. And Jesus is telling him right now, this is not true. It doesn't matter where you're born. It doesn't matter what you're born. It doesn't matter what your education is. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter anything. You must be born again. And you must be born of water and of the Spirit of God. You remember uh, 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 Jesus speaking uh, uh, through the book of John over there. 
uh, when he says, as many as received him, to God gave power to become the children of God, even to them who believe on his name, who were born, and he distinguishes the, the two births, born not of blood, nor of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So the second birth is what he was speaking of. When those who received Jesus Christ and believed on his name, he gave them power to become the children of God. Up to this point, they were not the children of God. And somebody's asking the question, are we not all children of God? Well, in, in some way we are. In the way of creation, we are all the children of God. But in the way of fatherhood, he is not all our fathers. Only those who have become his children through the blood of Jesus Christ then relate to him that way. So that's why it says they have received power or the authority to become the children of God. Those who believe and receive. So you must be born of water and of the Spirit. Um, I'm always intrigued by how Jesus is addressing situations. And it's a beautiful thing to behold. If you are not born again, if you are not born of water and of the Spirit, you don't get to see the kingdom of God. Now, yeah, you know, take with me on that just a second. Because many people have this belief. When it comes to the kingdom of God, many people have this belief that I'll believe it if I see it. That's backwards of what Jesus is teaching over here. He says, if you're not born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God, nor can you enter the kingdom of God. But to even see the kingdom of God, you must be born again. Otherwise, you don't even get to see it. Too many people think that, oh, I have to see it to believe it. God, uh, through Paul there in Romans, the fifth chapter, and this just jumped in my head. I don't know why it jumped in my head, but it makes some sense to me now. Um, that, um, that God would build within us a hope that does not disappoint. A hope that does not disappoint. So, what God is doing in the hearts of men, including my heart, thank God, is that he wants to develop a hope, and I, we don't have time to go through all, all the things that develop this hope, I'll just give you the scripture maybe that uh, we glory in tribulation knowing that tribulation work with patience and patience experience and experience hope. And this hope make it not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given unto us. This hope doesn't disappoint. This hope doesn't make ashamed. He is building a hope within us That makes things for sure that we have not seen with the naked eye. 
Because we believe God builds this hope within us that we hope for things and this is not wishful thinking because wishful thinking disappoints, yes? Okay, wishful thinking disappoints. Uh, a farmer, he just hopes that it rains tomorrow. That's wishful thinking. It may or may not. But, but, but Paul is saying to us that this hope that God wants to build with us does not disappoint, doesn't make ashamed. You don't hope for nothing. This is not wishful thinking. This is a fact that simply hasn't happened yet. If you want. It's going to happen. It just hasn't happened yet. Can I say it like that? Does it make sense? A fact that it hasn't happened yet. But it's going to happen. So that makes it a fact. Well... In God's thinking, it makes it a fact, all right? If you, if you can stretch with, with me there, then, then in God, you know, everything is in the present time. So God already knows what is going to happen. For him, this is not a surprise. Uh, that's why 2,000 years ago, he could have Jesus die for all our sins when we were not even under the horizon, not even in anybody's thought, not anywhere close to being born. And yet he took care of our sin problem right then and there 2,000 years ago. Because he saw it already in front of him. And he was able to take care of all my sins. And when I said tomorrow, this is no surprise to him. This was also included. So where was I? (laughs) Uh, Hope. Yes. He builds these things in us. Things that unless we believe... We don't get to see. If you're waiting to see before you believe, you'll never see it. You must be born again. Except you be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Nor can you enter. Oh, because that is which is born of the flesh is flesh, and which is born of the spirit is spirit. So, um, let, me, let me go here then and say this. Um, when Jesus did these miracles, we go back to the beginning. When Jesus did these miracles, um, that was an entrance for Nicodemus then to come and ask some questions and engage with Jesus. This was interesting to me. And I want to ask you, What opportunities can you give other people to inquire what you have? Who is working through you? What is it that you're saying? I, 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 I give you an example, and this is nothing. I just, I just jumped in my head again. I was teaching a couple. This was a Jewish couple. Uh, it was interesting to me because I, it was a Jewish wife and a, and a, and a Gentile uh, husband. It was interesting to me because uh, I had spoken to the wife a little bit about the, the Seder and the meaning of the Seder and so on and so forth, which in the Jewish tradition, th- there is no Jesus in the Seder. He is, but they don't know it. 
But those who have come to an understanding, whose, whose eyes have been unveiled by believing in Jesus Christ, then there's a whole new meaning in the Seder, the, 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 the Passover meal. Um, so, and I was explaining that to her, and she says, yes, I've, I've participated many times in the Seder, and what you're saying is exactly true, but I don't think that your interpretation is right. I say, well, it's okay. No, don't worry about it. I, I planted that seed in her mind, and it was not even three years later that she came to Jesus, and then poof, everything opened up for her. Um, but I remember making some comments um, that they addressed back to me. I, I, I said, for example, um, and I remembered like it happened yesterday because they came back to me. I, I just made some, made, made some comments of my thinking and uh, not realizing that they were listening even so closely to, to feed it back to me. And um, I said, well, a leader, he distributes all the credit, all the applause, all the compliments he distributes to the people underneath him. And he takes all the blame. But in the world, he blames all the people and takes all the credit. Two weeks later, they came to me and they said, Huh, interesting. My wife and I talked about this thing, how you had the perspective that a leader should take the blame and distribute the credit when our thinking was, no, you blame those people and take the credit. <laughs> if you don't take the credit, maybe you lose your job. Well, a real leader rather lose his job than distribute the blame and not take the blame himself. And not distribute the credit and take all the credit. Um, so they came back and told me, well, what, how, you, how do you come up with these things? So I don't know, but, you know, when I, after I received Jesus Christ, all my thinking started changing. A church is building a new building, and that is going to build unity among them. No, my thinking is, they were in unity, that's why they could build. Topsy-turvy, <laughs> whatever you call it in English. Uh, so, the idea then, for us to be able to see the things of God, we must believe first. And I'm asking you, in your conversation with people, in your engaging with other people, what are the opportunities that you provide in some measure, in some form, that they would ask from you? Uh, hey, how come you're saying these things? Hey, uh, what are you thinking? Hey, that's that is strange to my thinking. What 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 makes you think like that? Uh, and then there's opportunity for you to say the things that Jesus is saying. You know what? Jesus is saying the Bible is saying you must be born again. A friend of mine, some of you know you know Anson Nash. Some of you know Anson Nash. He's uh, I know him very well. I've known him for years. Uh, and there was a lady, 
a friend of his that he had known for many, 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 many years that recently passed away. And she was very seriously ill, and he went to see her. And she says, well, at least I won't suffer anymore. I'll be in heaven. And he said to her, and this was a blessing to me big time because he used the opportunity so wisely. And he said to her, well, what makes you so sure that you're going to heaven? A legitimate question. And she said, well, all my life I've been a good person. Well, you don't slam dunk somebody because she has the wrong answer. And he asked just gently, would you be interested in me sharing with you what the Bible says about that? Oh, I would be. And so he shared the gospel with her. And then she says, well, would you recommend that I do this? I sure would. (laughs) And then she received Jesus Christ right there. I mean, maybe days before she died. Excuse me. I have had many conversations with my father-in-law. And I'm praying for this opportunity. We have talked till I was blue in the face. He asked all the questions. And I answered them to the best of my knowledge, scripturally. And yet, he hasn't come to a place yet to receive Jesus Christ. Um... I usually get up early, so I get up early before anybody else, so I study the scriptures. When he walks in the room, I close my Bible. It is my job to talk with him and visit with him. And he loves to visit. And then he has a thousand questions. Well, how about this? Well, how about that? Well, uh, how can it be true that people walk on dry land crossing the Red Sea? I don't believe that. I say, Dad, the Bible talks about one whose name is God. God created everything without any work. He just spoke it into being. You think it is a, a, it is a, a, a feat for him, a task for him, to have people walk over the, across the Red Sea on dry land? my mom had a problem with the virgin birth. I say, mom, you believe that God created all this? All the universe? Yes. Mom, come on. Can the one who created the universe not have a baby out of a virgin? He didn't even need the virgin. I could make a baby. But just how he decided to do it. Conversation. So it is not always that you can crown that conversation with somebody that has come closer to the Lord or somebody that actually receives the Lord. But you're looking for it. And you're looking to, um, uh, Paul says, to redeem the time. What it means in the original language is to purchase for yourself an opportunity. And so I believe that that's what what Jesus did when he did the miracles. There was an opportunity. And Nicodemus steps up to him. 
He is the teacher of Israel. So he can be sure that he has a lot of influence. When he comes to Jesus Christ, there will be lots of people coming to Jesus Christ. And so Jesus just shares with him and shares how it is to be done. So let me ask you this morning. Have you been born again? Have you been born of water? Which is, which is what Jesus says, what is born of the flesh is flesh. It's your fleshly bird. It's your, your physical bird. And be, have you been born of the Spirit of God through, receive Jesus, through receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If not, I want to encourage you this morning to come and receive Jesus Christ. Now, let me explain it this way. That if you, have, if you receive Jesus Christ right there where you sit, right there is where you got saved. Okay, Glenn? You're already saved, I know, so I'm not, you know, I'm not playing games with you over here. But Glenn, if he were not a believer and he believed after the message that Jesus Christ, I want to receive you. I want to be born again. And he received Jesus Christ. He doesn't have to come forward for me to pray with him to get saved. He's already saved right here. He just comes forward to confirm some things with me. That, hey, okay, you believe, uh, yeah, your belief is right, this and this and this. Answer a couple of questions, and then we're good to go. It's about believing. It's not about coming forward. So right in the seat, he got saved. So have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you believed that Jesus died for your sins on the cross? Paid that exorbitant price for you to be able to go free and not have to pay the price in hell. And that he was raised from the dead on the third day. Guaranteeing your eternal life if you are a follower of Jesus Christ. If you have never received him, I pray that this morning you would receive him. Let us stand.